Good morning, Caring Community. Uh, I know some of you were hoping that you would get to see me in some sort of video format or Facebook Live, uh, but I've actually got something better for you this morning. <clears throat> what I need you to do is if you would just take a minute as you're listening to this, uh, close your eyes and just take a deep breath and settle in for just a moment. And as you close your eyes and, and relax a bit, uh, what I want you to do is I want you to visualize me uh, standing on the platform here at church. And as you picture that in your mind, what I want you to do is now imagine me, uh, let's go maybe 20 pounds lighter and 10 years younger. A little bit less white in my hair, uh, a few less wrinkles around the eyes, and and again, that uh, you know, my shirt's not quite as tight around the middle. So as I move on this morning, if you'll just keep that image in your mind, it'll be a way more positive experience than if you were actually looking at me live as I look right now on March 22nd of 2020. So now you can open your eyes because I know if you're comfy at home, if you keep your eyes closed too long, uh, you might drift off and you'll have to go back and listen all over again. So moving on, as I said last week, over the next several weeks, uh, we're going to continue looking at some of the events leading up to what we call Passion Week. We're going to look at some of the stuff that took place during Passion Week. We're going to look at some of the stuff that took place immediately following Passion Week. And since, as we said before, nothing Jesus did was by coincidence, it's reasonable to extrapolate that the things he did and said before the triumphal entry, the things he did and said before the Last Supper, the things he did and said before the crucifixion, as well as the things he did and said before the resurrection, were important to our spiritual, personal faith journey. We're going to note some of the ways where the reality of our lives intersect with the message of Christ. This morning, in light of the incredibly unique situation in which we find ourselves, our passage for today seems rather timely. This morning, I invite you to picture yourselves standing at the crossroads of heartache and hope as we take a few moments to walk through John chapter 11. Since you won't have the luxury of looking at slides on the wall, what I need you to do right now, just a couple of additional things. The first thing that I need you to do is find the pause button on whatever device you're listening on and hit that pause button. And while you're paused, go find some type of Bible and open it to the Gospel according to John chapter 11. So if you haven't done so, hit that pause button, go find your Bible, I'll take a breath, and then we'll pick up when you come back. Okay, assuming you've got your Bible, because you hit pause, you didn't just wait long enough for me to get there, but you've got your Bible, you're open to John chapter 11. The other thing that I need you to do for me, and I know I often ask you to do this when we're all together, but I need you to commit to using your imagination. What I am encouraging you to do is, in your mind's eye, visualize the intersections that I'm discussing. 
what I want you to do is picture the scenes playing out in this amazing story. While it may be familiar, today's a great opportunity for you to just kind of think about what it might have looked like to be in that situation. If you're listening to others, now that you know where the pause button is, don't hesitate to periodically hit that pause button and take a moment to talk about how you're seeing this story unfold. So let's jump in. We're going to look at four different intersections, uh, similar but from a slightly different perspective. The first intersection is one I'm referring to, as you've already heard, is heartache and hope. And it's covered in John chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. And and just listen as I read it. In John chapter 11, verse 1, we read, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus... Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So we have this first intersection of heartache and hope. The heartache in this intersection is represented by the fact that Lazarus is sick. Now, depending upon the level of sickness, we all understand that when someone we love and care for is sick, there is a degree of heartache that comes with that. The hope at this intersection is the fact that they called out to Jesus for help. So when we have heartache, uh, whatever the source, uh, there can be hope found when we call out to Jesus for help. As we think about that brief little bit that we got in those first five verses, everyone in the family had history with Jesus. They seemed to have some personal connection with him, friends with him. As the little bit was peeled back for us, we see that at least in one of the sister's cases, she has such a deep history with Jesus that she has worshipped him extravagantly. And as we can unpack from other references that, that aren't covered in this particular part of the story, we also know that they have a history of, of serving Jesus faithfully. And so in the midst of this heartache, they have the hope of knowing that they've reached out to their friend whom they love and trust. And... He cares. Jesus tells them, their hope flows as they reach out to him. He tells them that everything's going to work out for the good. And they're reminded that Jesus loves them. So in the midst of heartache, they have the hope of knowing they've called out to Jesus. They have the hope of knowing that he cares and, and they have history with him. They have the hope of knowing that he loves them. Which brings us to intersection number two. And and this is covered in verses 6 through 15. And again, just 
savor this a bit as we read it. John chapter 11, starting with verse 6. It says, and again, remember this follows what verse 5 said, that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Then we have verse 6. It says, yet when he heard that Lazarus is sick, he stayed there where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going to go back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After that, after he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but the disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So this intersection sounds similar, but it's a little bit different. We, we have the intersection of hope, Jesus is coming, and then we have the heartache that Jesus appears to get distracted and Lazarus is dead. And for me, if this were the first time I were hearing this story, or if I were the one actually living this story, What in the world is going on here? You love them. You care for them. They cry out to you with a sense of urgency and desperation on behalf of a loved one. They've served you. They've worshipped you. They say, please come help. And it's two days before you say, okay, yeah, let's head that way. Now for me, the, the, the hope of knowing that he's coming is crashing into this intersection of heartache where you realize, well, yeah, he's coming, but he's not in a hurry about it. As I, as I just chew on that for just a second, begins to remind me of various and sundry times in my life When I've cried out to Jesus, looking for hope, and what I've encountered is the heartache of, yeah, I'll be there when I get there. Interesting story as we think about that. Brings us to intersection number three. And, and this covers verses 11, or excuse me, verses 17 through 37. In chapter 11. I'm not going to read that whole passage. You've got the whole passage. If you want to pause it and read through all of it right now, that, that's totally up to you. You can go back and read it later. What I'm going to do is just unpack uh, a couple of the verses that that covers that touch on the high points. This intersection is again an, an intersection of heartache and hope turn one way and we walk in hope we encounter hope turn the other way 
and we encounter heartache. The heartache of counting on Jesus only to feel like he's let us down. The hope of knowing that even in our darkest times, Jesus is with us. Sometimes even just weeping with us. Interesting to think about just what that may mean. In chapter seven, chapter 11, verse 17, we're told this. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Martha and Mary cried out to their friend Jesus and said, Our brother and your friend is sick. Please come. Jesus said, you bet, we got this. He waited two days before he even started the process of coming to them. And then it was another two days before he got there. Some of you have firsthand experience with what Martha and Mary must have been feeling. We get a glimpse of that in verse 21. When Jesus got there, Martha went out to meet him. Mary stayed back at the house. Martha walks up to Jesus. I suspect she kind of got right up in his face. And she said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. (laughs) Really, Martha, tell us what you think. Jesus, I was counting on you, and you didn't show up. But Martha's faith was not gone, because she continued. After she said, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus, I'm disappointed. My heart is aching because you didn't give me what I was hoping for. But as I stand here at the intersection of heartache and hope, Jesus, Martha's saying, in spite of my heartache, I'm still hopeful because I think you can still fix this. Which brings us to verse 25 when Jesus responds. They they have a little bit more of a conversation. 25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, even though he dies, and whoever lives believes in me and will never die. Do you believe this? Since I kind of botched that up, I'm going to read it again. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, 
even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Then Jesus, I still picture them kind of kind of close talking right up in each other's face. Because I think Martha was pretty emotional when she spoke to Jesus that conversation. But Jesus stood nose to nose with her, looked her in the eye and said, Do you believe this? Jesus is saying to her, in my opinion, this is bigger, Martha, than Lazarus. Martha, this is bigger than you. This is bigger than me. And I find myself, and again, how amazingly timely. Do you really believe even when Jesus lets you down? Jesus isn't done yet. In verse 32, Martha's the one who came out to meet him and said, Hey, dude, where have you been? Now it's Mary's turn in verse 32. It says, When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. Just, just picture this. She's heartbroken. Her brother has died. The one she was counting on appears to have failed her. She sees him and she falls at his feet. Now remember, these are the feet that she wept over and washed with her hair as she worshipped him in an extravagant fashion. Now she falls at those same feet, heartbroken, because she thinks she got heartache instead of hope. She falls at his feet. Now imagine Jesus looking down at her. And she said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus, just like my sister Martha said, you let me down. I was counting on you, and you didn't show up. It's interesting, because I sat in on youth group last week, and they were talking about this next passage. Verse 33 says, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And verse 35, Jesus wept. We have this overwhelming sense of heartache and disappointment because a loved one has died. We have a sense of heartache and desperation because another loved one upon whom we were depending seems to have failed to deliver we're grieving we're weeping and there's this corporate grief Mary's weeping at Jesus feet those who share her grief are weeping around her and it stirs the heart of compassion that 
no one has like Jesus has. And he begins to weep with them. We can speculate whether he was grieving the death of a friend, whether he was weeping because they didn't get it, whether he is weeping just because it hurts when people we love hurt. But to me, as we stand at times at the intersection of hope and heartache, it's important to remember when we weep, it's not uncommon for him to weep with us. And then this intersection, before we leave it, we have verse 37. Some people look at him weeping and say, wow, look how much he must have loved Lazarus. But others just didn't get it. Because to them, they said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? It's funny how two groups of people experiencing the same thing can either choose to see Jesus as a compassionate, caring Savior, even in tough times, or see him as somebody who just can't be relied on or trusted. I wonder when we're at the intersection of hope and heartache, when it just doesn't make sense, how do we see him? Which brings us to the final intersection that I'm going to comment on this morning. And again, this is an intersection of heartache and hope. The heartache is a blunt one. As we start this section, Jesus is standing outside the grave where they've buried Lazarus. Friends, the harsh reality is he's been in the grave for four days and it's been sealed. The thought of rolling the stone away, the heartache is it's going to stink. The hope comes later when Jesus says, let him go. Verse 38, chapter 11, in the Gospel according to John. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Sounds a little interesting when we think about uh, what's to come later in Passion Week, isn't it? Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha said, Lazarus's sister. She said, by this time, there's a bad odor. For he's been in there four days. Let's be real, Jesus. The heartache is, it's going to stink. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, 
you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Verse 43. Then he said this. Excuse me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. The heartache, it's going to stink. The hope, let him go. Hope says, take away the stone. And I wonder if you stand today or the next time you stand at the intersection of heartache and hope, what's holding you back? What's keeping you from taking away the stone? Hope says, yeah, I know it really, really should stink. But maybe, just maybe, it won't. Hope says, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Maybe not when you want to. Maybe not where you expect to. Or how you expect to. But hope says, the glory of God will be there. It's never about our timetable, but always about His. Hope says, Jesus is calling. And I think about your lives, and I think about my life. And I think about those times when we have been in that dark place of heartache. And to understand that Jesus is standing at the doorway, calling you by name, saying, Come out. Come out. Hope says, Take off the grave clothes and go. As I told you, Uh, Last week, I planned this teaching series long before things started to go sideways and the world as we know it was taken on a quick detour. Once again, I find it humbling, interesting, encouraging to note how God makes plans to give us what we need long before we even know we need it. In closing this morning, I want to remind you of a couple things to remember every time you find yourselves at the intersection of heartache and hope. Friends, I don't like saying this, but I believe it's true based on scripture, 
based on my own experience, based on my observation of others' lives. Friends, not every heartache is a bad thing. Without Lazarus's death, our picture of Jesus would be incomplete. And as much as we don't like to acknowledge it, without our own heartaches, our picture of Jesus might not be complete. Not every heartache is a bad thing. The other truth that I take from this intersection of hope and heartache is not every hope will be fulfilled the way I want it to be fulfilled in the time that I want it to be fulfilled. But that does not mean Jesus doesn't love me. And just because he loves me doesn't mean I won't find myself experiencing heartache. Not every hope will be fulfilled the way we want it to be. Another truth we can take from the intersection of hope and heartache is that in every heartache, even the ones we inflict upon ourselves by our own poor choices or our own stubborn rebellion and defiance, in every heartache, Jesus weeps for us and Jesus weeps with us. And then, as we stand at the intersection of heartache and hope, in hope, Jesus calls you by name And in hope, Jesus says, take off the grave clothes. Take off whatever it is that holds you back. Take off whatever it is that reminds you of your stinky past. Take it off. And then he sends us by saying, go. In hope, Jesus calls you. And in hope, Jesus sends you. Finally, I want to leave you again with words I just read. But they're the words that Jesus prayed in John chapter 11, verses 41 and 42. Now again, I I, I said it earlier and I didn't come back and remind you, but just, just picture this in your mind. Jesus is stepping up as they open the grave of a beloved friend. And as they roll back the stone, and everyone standing there except for Jesus is expecting to be overwhelmed by the smell of death and decay. Standing there in that moment, rolling back that stone in anticipation, Jesus said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Pray with me, folks. Friends, as you close your eyes, bow your heads, take a breath. That was a prayer for you. The story of Lazarus, the intersection of heartache and hope was for you. 
so that you might know so that you might really know so that you might live based upon the belief that Jesus really is who he says he is and because of that he wants to be with you every time you find yourself at the intersection of heartache and hope he wants to always point you to hope and he will always hold you in the times of heartache friends continue with your eyes closed your heads bowed just understand if you're at a place of heartache today Jesus is standing right outside the door calling you by name saying come out come out and as you step forward in faith leaning into what he offers you he'll dry your tears he'll dry his tears he'll say take off the grave clothes and let's go for a walk friends I don't, I don't know what you're feeling I, I suspect we're all feeling a wide array of emotions but speaking for myself I take comfort in knowing that as I stand at the intersection of heartache and hope Jesus is waiting and he'll walk forward with each and every one of us and I pray that you'll lean into that as well in the name of our son our, our father's son and our savior Jesus Christ the one who stands at the door and calls you by name I pray that you would lean into that and walk forward in that hope